0: good morning this morning i want to take you to psalm 144 verse 3 and 4. the bible says this lord what is man that thou takest knowledge of him or the son of man that thou makest account of him man is like to vanity his days are as a shadow that passeth away in other words why does god even care why does he even take note of man think about it the god of heaven looking down on man here on earth. It says, or the son of man. Why does God make account of the son of man? That means man of any race. Why does God make account of us? Why does God even think about us? Why why do we even come into the mind of God? It's like man pondering the particles of the air. Why would we even think about that? Well, God made us of the dust of the ground, Genesis tells us. And here's the difference. God breathed into man the breath of life. In Genesis 2-7 the Bible says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Man is unlike the rest of God's creation. We're not like trees or animals, we're above it. God has given us the rule over it. The Bible says that man is created in the image of God. We are relational beings. Genesis one twenty seven says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Yesterday, as I was at the medical missions clinic, I got involved in some things I never thought in my life I would be involved in. And uh, there's a Navy, a U.S. Navy dentist here And He is doing all sorts of things for uh, dental work on the people and he invited me in to to help out and one old lady a a Makulu uh, Had a bad tooth in the front and so he was going to extract it and so I actually helped him He had numbed her mouth and I helped extract the tooth. I actually did it Uh, He showed me how to do it and I pulled the tooth out and after I pulled the tooth out and this is one of her uh, one of the front teeth uh, this this Makulu, she just, I mean she really started dancing in the chair. She was so happy to get that tooth that was causing her terrible pain out of her mouth. And I looked around and there's people hurting. There's people with holes in their feet. There's people with, with no legs sitting in the rain. There was one old man that was sitting in a wheelchair. He had no legs. He's just wanting a pair of specks, and they were giving away specks, uh, specs like crazy. And then I I thought about how vain I can be, how shallow and how caught up in worthless things, when many people have so little and so much suffering, and on top of that, they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And they live this short, brief life, as the psalmist says here, he says, man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. So little time on this earth. And full of trouble, full of pain, full of suffering. That's not God's will. That's by the disobedience of man that the Bible says, for by one man sin entered into the world, that's by Adam. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And so that suffering that comes through the sin of man has passed upon all men. so man's days upon the earth are like a shadow and, 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 and pass in so short uh, uh, amount of time, and and people suffer on this earth so terribly, so terribly in poverty and in sickness and all these different things, all these fruits and uh, of sin, and then they go to a devil's hell for all eternity. It's unimaginable, unending suffering and pain. The question many of us like to ask is, well, does God not care? And the answer is yes, God does care. and And, and that The word that we can give, one word that we can give that explains the care, the indescribable care of God is Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God does care. But god has created us remember in his own image and when we receive the lord jesus christ we're born again and he puts his spirit within us and the bible says that he he pours his love inside of us and we are his witnesses now until he comes back we are to be proclaimers of his gospel we are to be disciples of his none of us the, the bible knows nothing of a sideline christian we're all to be followers of his be proclaimers of his gospel telling people of the the jesus who died for our sins and the grace and mercy that can be found in him forgiveness from our sins through jesus christ let me leave you with the words of spurgeon as he talked about how to go to lost souls people around you friends and family that don't know jesus he said when you go to lost souls you must tell them plainly of their condition and their danger as the angels did when they went to Sodom to talk to, to Lot and the people there in Sodom. They said, up, get you out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city, Genesis nineteen fourteen. If you long to save men's souls, your friends, your family, you must tell them a great deal of disagreeable truth. The preaching of the wrath of God is sneered at today and even good people are half ashamed of it, he said. A soppy sentimentality about love and goodness has hushed plain gospel teaching and warnings. But if we expect souls to be saved, if we expect our friends and family, our neighbors to get saved, we must declare the terrors of the Lord without flinching, but with all affectionate faithfulness. Church, let me challenge you this morning. As you look around at people don't look at them with the eyes of men look at them through the eyes of Jesus be compassionate be that good Samaritan and be looking for ways and opportunities to love people and to preach the gospel to them so soon this life will be over this shadow of a life will be passed don't waste it on temporal things acting like men who have no hope beyond the grave But look at ways to express the love of God to people. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. And most importantly, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to people around you. Have a blessed day. Good morning. This morning I want to talk to you on the subject of the right way to act in this war called life. And I take you to 1 Samuel chapter 30 in verses 1, 2, 4, and 6 we're going to read this morning. But here I want want to key in on two big lessons that we learned from David on the right way to act in this war called life. In verse number 1 it says, And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire. Now, why was this city significant? Well, this was David's home. As he's run away from Saul, he has no place in Israel, and he had been given this city to dwell in. So it's home for him. And verse two, it says, And had taken the women captives that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So the women were taken captive, the children were taken captive, and none were killed, but they were all taken away. Verse four, then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. So there's an enormous amount of heartbreak. These people were broken. David and his people, their wives, their children have been stolen away. You can imagine the heartbreak, the, the stress, the anxiety, the brokenness that they felt at this time. In verse six, it says, and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Here's the phrase, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So this great tragedy has taken place in the midst of war. His children, his wives have been taken away. The, 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 the wives and the children of all the people have been taken away. And the souls of all the people was grieved every man for his sons and for his daughters so here's two big lessons i want you to take with you this morning uh, as we face this war called life every day is a battle number one learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. There's going to be times in your life when there's no one else around you. You've got to learn, cultivate that relationship with that friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and it's Jesus Christ. When Jesus went away, he promised that he would not leave us nor forsake us. He promised to send a comforter, and that comforter, the Holy Spirit of God, is within you. And so when you're grieved, when you're greatly distressed, when terrible things take place in your life, when fiery trials come into your life when heartaches and pains happen as you are trying to seek and to serve the Lord you've got to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord get alone with God pray take those burdens to him in prayer talk to him in prayer read his word get counsel the surest counsel from him talk to other men and women that love the same God with as much or more intensity than you do and seek counsel from them when others are grieved because of you All the sons and daughters of the people were taken as prisoners along with their earthly belongings. So everybody was grieved. Everybody was mad and they were pointing the fingers back at David. David had nowhere to go to. David is down, but he doesn't stay down. But he goes to the Lord for instruction and for direction and for a solution. The Bible says in verse number eight that David inquired at the Lord. So when David was down, when David was greatly distressed, when others were grieved and mad, angry, wanting to stone David, David turned to the only place and the right place that he should have turned to, and that was to the Lord. And so in this war called life, friend, brothers and sisters in Christ, there are going to be times in your life where you're greatly distressed. There are going to be times in your life where it looks like Even others are pointing their finger at you and you have got to learn to go to the Lord. He will give you the right answer. He will give you the instruction. He will give you the direction and he will give you the proper solution to the problem. Secondly, don't give yourself the credit when God does give the victory. Don't give yourself the credit when God does give the victory. Remember David, the situation was that David was greatly distressed. He didn't have an answer. And everybody was mad at him. He didn't know what to do. He was brokenhearted, even over his own two wives being stolen away. But in verse number four it says, Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. That was the situation. They had no more power to even cry. They were hopeless. They were helpless. He was hopeless without God. So he sought counsel of the Lord about what to do. And God gave him clear direction and promised victory. God is the only one that can do that. There are going to be times in your life which at all times we should practice His presence. At all times we should live in dependence, not in independence of God. We're creations uh, of God designed to live in dependence upon God. Some of the men in David's army, the Bible says, were too faint. They were too tired. They were too weary to go any further. They were not... They were not any more scared. They were not more scared than the other men in David's army. They were not simply being lazy. They just simply could not go forward. They were not fit for battle at this time. And David realized this. They still had a job to do. They were left behind. They would guard the passage there and they would keep the stuff. It is is kind of implied even that David had told them, the king had told them to stay behind. Their leader had told them to stay behind. And upon David's return, they come out to meet David and his men, his soldiers, upon their return, hoping to get their part of the spoil. But some of David's soldiers described as men of Belial, which means they were profane or covetous men. These men refused to let the 200 that stayed behind receive any of the spoil except their own women and children that had been taken as prisoners. And with them... That These soldiers that had, had gone off to war with David, with, they, they, they believed that they should take their women and children and leave and have no more part with, with David and his soldiers and his people. They knew that, that these men had nowhere else to go as Ziklag had been burned. The home that they used to call home was no longer. And Israel obviously was not an option because Saul was there. They were cruel, they were covetous, and failing to give God the glory for the victory that had been given. They somehow felt like they were the ones responsible for the victory, and they should be the ones that benefit from the spoils of the war. But how did they get the victory? Simply put, by the Lord. And friend, in all your victories in life, in all your victories over sin, in all your growth in Christ, In all the good that comes into your life, you need to remember this. It is by the grace of God that you are what you are. By the Lord. Did David and his men have to fight? Absolutely. The Bible says they fought from evening to evening. It was a hard fought fought war, but complete victory was given. They got everything back from the smallest thing to the greatest thing. Nothing was lost. (laughs) That's God. God. David understood the truth of the matter. God gave the victory and everyone played a part. Those that fought and those that stayed behind. In 1 Samuel 30 verse 24, it says, For who will hearken unto you in this matter? Talking to those men of Belial and how they did not want to give the one, the soldiers that had stayed behind any part of the spoil. But it's, it goes on, this verse says, But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth By the stuff, they shall part alike. So David said, the ones that went down and fought the battle, you get your part in the spoils. And you that stayed behind, tarried by the stuff, guarded the passage, guarded the stuff, you also will have your part in the spoil. It will be the same. Friend, this this principle is true in the church. You may not preach, but you pray. You may not sing, but you excel in giving. You may not be the best teacher, but you show great compassion. If no one does what you do, how does the victory get won? It's all important. No one is greater than the other. It's true in marriage. Wife, you're not the head of the home. But as one man said, behind every successful husband is a wife rolling her eyes. <laughs> That's said in in uh, sarcasm, but it means that. It- A man, a a truly successful, godly man, cannot be successful, cannot be what he is without a godly, wonderful wife behind him. Your job in the home is just as critical as anything he does outside the home. If you leave the stuff, if you leave your children, if you're not making that house a home, who's watching the stuff? Both gain the reward from God for a Christ-honoring marriage and home. This is true in missions as our Faith Promise Missions Conference is just around the corner. Not all will go to the foreign field, but the ones that stay behind will make sacrifices. They will pray and they will work to strengthen their local church so it can continue to make a worldwide impact. But if you neglect your responsibility, the church is weakened both at home and abroad. As David said, as his part is that goeth down to the battle so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff they shall part alike your job is just as responsible here at home as the one that goes to the field don't neglect your responsibility and all of us all of us as we're faithful to the lord and we give him the glory for the victory will have our reward in heaven the right way to act in this war called life is to learn to encourage yourself in the lord when in dark times and at all times And don't give yourself the credit when God gives the victory. Make sure that you keep glorifying God even during the victory. Amen.